another episode of the Overcoming Life podcast, and I am coming to you guys live from basically my cool new studio. I wish you guys could see it, but hey, if you want to see it, I actually am going to start doing video podcasts. I actually have my first video podcast up on YouTube. Um, that's at the Overcoming Life, and maybe I should actually put a link in the anchor bio, but for right now, all you need to know is there is a a YouTube video podcast thing going on here, and that is the new news for right now. Uh, we have been talking about the citizens, citizenship in the kingdom of God. And we talked about in last episode how citizenship in the kingdom of God is different than from citizenship in a Christian nation, and why is that, right? Well, uh, we have to understand that Jesus Christ appeared as Yahweh to Moses, right? And so in Exodus chapter 15, verse 2, and in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, um, it shows us Yahweh has become my Yeshua. And again, um, I'm not going to get up on the names or the words, but it is important that we understand the Hebrew names of, of God. Um, so that way we have an understanding of how the Bible is connecting um, the God of the Old Testament with, with Jesus, right? Yahweh has become my Yeshua, uh, is what the scripture says in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. So, in other words, Yeshua, which means salvation, or Jesus, is the earthly incarnation of Yahweh, the lawgiver who formed the nation of Israel through Moses. So we have to understand that Israel was set up as a Christian nation. Unfortunately, it had certain flaws under the Old Covenant, which proved to be fate- fatal, right? Uh, what were some of those flaws? Obviously, they... Uh, it was you could take the people out of Egypt, but you couldn't take the Egypt. It's hard to take the Egypt out of the people, right? They were complaining. They wanted meat. They they didn't care too much about the water coming out of the rock. And really, they were in that time. It was just for God to test them. Like, do these people really understand the purpose for which they were taken out of captivity, right? So they knew what they were saved from, but they didn't know what they were saved to, right? And so... Um, we have to go back and take a look at what the old covenant actually is, right? And then, w- then we can see what the new covenant is and uh, how to compare and contrast these things. Because there's a lot of people who don't understand the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. When people think about the old covenant, they're mostly thinking about um, old temple sacrifices, um, ordinances, carnal commandments, um, not eating shellfish or shrimp or some type of bottom food wearing certain clothing, wearing certain linens, right? Um, Going to the temple, being circumcised, being the doctrine of washings, those types of things, cleansings. Um, And, of course, uh, that is true. All those things are how uh, how they viewed, how they observed the law under the old covenant. But we have to understand that under the new covenant, it's not that these things have been done away with. It's just that they... They, we just do them. We observe the law of God in a different way. That is how they observed it under the Old Covenant, right? And I'm going to explain to you why they observed it in that way um, when we understand the purpose and when we really understand what the Old Covenant was based upon, then we'll understand why they were doing those things. So here's what the Old Covenant was based upon. And, um, and we see this in Exodus chapter 19, verse 8, where God basically tells Moses, Yo, Moses, uh, these people, if they obey my commandments, then they shall be to me a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, my treasured possession, because all the earth is mine. Everything belongs to me, but they will be my holy people, and I will use them essentially to establish and set up my kingdom on earth, right? 
Um, and so, but the only uh, kind of contention was, uh, all you have to do is obey my commandments. If you can keep my commandments, so the burden was on them, right? The burden was on them. If you can do these things, then we can have relationship fellowship, and then you can uh, be my, my representatives on earth. So um, it was based upon the citizens themselves, how they were able to keep the, the, the commandment of God. Uh, and the people promised to do so. They said, hey, all that you said that to do, we will do. Um, and they had vowed themselves to obey the law, and this based their salvation, them, their salvation, it based it upon obedience, okay? Their salvation was based upon their obedience to keep what they said that they would keep, but obviously, it, it wasn't going to happen. There's just not a chance. There, there was just no way that was going to happen. It was a prescription for failure. So uh, the second thing the second flaw that the Old Covenant had was this. The nation's laws made outward conformity to religious rituals the condition of continuing their citizenship, right? So uh, take a look at this. This is really, really interesting. This is, I'm going to say that again because I think we got to make sure we hit this, this uh, point uh, straight on the head, right? The nation's laws made outward conformity, what you looked like on the outside, what clothes you were wearing— how you were washing, how people saw you, how people viewed you, um, the things that you did on the outside, it made these religious rituals the condition of whether or not you could continue citizenship with them. And that is, uh, you, you'll notice that if you read the scriptures, that Jesus is always saying, look at these people. The, the, on the outside, they look so good, but on the inside, they're, they're, they're empty tombs. They're dead men, Right? Um, why is he saying these types of things? Why would he say these types of things if it weren't the case that they were actually um, just doing everything for appearance sake, right? They were doing everything for lip service. They had these loud and voluptuous prayers with these beautiful words and, oh, God, right? But um, that was their that was their other flaw, right? So the first flaw was that they based the cover, they based um, that their salvation was based on their obedience and their promise to keep the law, right? They really believed that they could do that. They believed that we it is on us to fulfill uh, the word of God through our actions. We believe that we can be saved by our works. That's how they believed. When it obviously it's not possible, right? So. Um, we have to understand that the law was weak under the Old Covenant and that it, can, it couldn't prosecute someone for their heart condition, right? Um, it was limited to a person's actions. So the law of God under the Old Covenant could not, could not prosecute you um, or put you before the law for something that you had not committed, right? So, for example, uh, Jesus says that if, you, if anyone even hates his brother in his heart, um, then that's actually murder. That's what Jesus says. Um, so true murder is the intent of your heart, right? But um, in order to be prosecuted, in order for that to be dealt with in a legal way, um, someone actually had to commit murder in order to be prosecuted. That's the Old Covenant. So that's the limitations that the law had under the Old Covenant. It could only deal with a person um, based on their outward actions, right? So under the New Covenant, uh, 
we have to actually exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, right? And so the law, as I have spoken before, the law was not put away. In fact, the requirements of the law were actually raised to include attitudes, intentions, and in motives of the heart. Do you guys understand that? So when Jesus came, he actually raised the standard. He said that you actually have to be better than what they look like they're doing, and they looked really good. So an old covenant way of applying the laws of the kingdom of, of, uh, of God and the earth is basically what the Christian nation is, is basically what the Christian nation is. So um, the idea of prosecuting hate crimes, you guys people know people who are trying to cancel their people, cancel culture. Um, this idea of prosecuting hate crimes or cancel culture, it's just it's a novelty in the history of the world. Um, it's not super practical because just canceling someone doesn't actually get rid of the, the, the intent of the heart, right? Um, but it's a secular attempt to regulate or change the hearts of men apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. We're going to say, hey, obviously this guy did something wrong, so we're going to cancel them. But it doesn't actually deal with the heart problem. You guys understand? And so the law applied externally can never change the heart. It's not possible. You can't change the heart by applying the law in an external way. That is to say, uh, if you do this, if you wear this, if you say this, if you dance like this, if you give like this, if you clap like this, if you, um, if you move like this, if you serve like this, then, uh, then that will change your heart. It's not possible. The law applied externally can never change your heart, nor can it change the heart of anybody else. So uh, the laws of God were not enforceable when the majority of citizens did not agree with God's law. So um, they had what was called <laughs> uh, I, I, I want a democracy, a true, a true democracy. And if you understand the definition of what a democracy actually is, you understand that it's actually ruled by the people, ruled by their passions. It's mob, it's, um has a mob-conscious uh, collective grouping, right? So everyone agrees with this, with this kind of... Um, propaganda that everyone is agreeing with. And so Israel found out pretty pretty early that if we don't agree with God's law, then we don't have to enforce it. That's 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 what they came to the conclusion of, which is kind of sad, right? Because the law of God is good. It's supposed to actually protect us. But they said, well, we would rather not do what God wants us to do um, because it kind of just seems too hard. It's a little bit too burdensome. Um, and that's obviously because they were they were interpreting a, a, it in a very carnal carnal way, right? And so the traditions of men eventually replaced the law and actually nullified the law. And we see this in Mark chapter seven verse nine. So eventually, the temple was turned into a den of robbers. Uh, these people were robbing and stealing and um, cheating people in the temple of God. And so for this reason, this is basically the reason why God had to come. God had the judgment. He was going to destroy uh, the temple. He destroyed the temple. And so that's, that happened in 33 AD when the Romans had destroyed the temple and the city. And so the reality is, is the Christian nation is a nation that utilizes the laws of God. It uses them just like our nation. We're technically, quote unquote, a Christian nation, um, but we use the laws of God, but we don't have the we don't have the power to change the hearts of men, and that is the fatal flaw of being a Christian nation. Like you can have all the rules and, and everything uh, set up, but um, we don't have the power to change the hearts of men. 
And so the kingdom of God, on the other hand, is a new covenant idea. The kingdom of God, understand this, the kingdom of God is a new covenant idea. We're not talking about a Christian nation. We're not talking about a nation that is based upon the principles of the Bible. We're talking about the kingdom of God, guys, and it's a new covenant idea. It appears in the Old Testament time frame along with the concept of the new, new covenant, and that's prophesied in Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, verse 31 through 34. But the manifestation of the kingdom of God would require the coming of Messiah as the Lamb of God to die on the cross in order to ratify or to make this happen, to put the seal of approval on the new covenant by his blood. It's his blood that is allowed this that is allowed this uh, this order to go into um, to go into effect, right? So it's just like if the president signs an executive order, right? Um, his signature or his stamp or or his seal, whatever it is, his word that is what ratifies um, that that order, right? And so, under the old covenant, citizenship uh, of of the nation of Israel was based upon. Their actions. Under the new covenant, citizenship is based upon a person's heart, right? It's not based upon their actions. It's, pa- it's based upon um, their, the heart, the desire of the heart, what's going on inside of them, right? So what we have to understand, too, let's, let's just balance this out for a second here, is that actually in both cases, citizenship is based upon circumcision, Right, so there's two types of circumcision. Well, multiple types of circumcision, but two particular types of circumcision within this category. Uh, under the old covenant, it's a fleshly cir- circumcision. Right, it's a uh, it's a cutting of the the flesh, the physical body cutting off uh, of the flesh. Right, but under the new covenant, but and see, the reality is that's a very limited covenant. Right, because even how are women supposed to be circumcised? Like you can't just you know, and I guess maybe that's a, a whole different topic just in general, but then women are excluded, right? And that's probably one of the reasons why they weren't, quote-unquote, allowed to go into the temple, right? And, of course, that's a man-made tradition because nowhere in the law does it say that women can't come into the uh, the temple but um, or to, to draw close to him, right? Nowhere does it say that you have to be separated and divided. Nowhere does it say that. So... But that's a man-made tradition, right? And obviously, I think it was kind of based upon the fact that, hey, look, they can't be circumcised, so they can't come uh, closer. So they have to be over there uh, with, with, with the Gentiles, or they have to be cut off just like the Gentiles are in some ways. So it's, it's, it's unfortunate, right? Um, so, but under the, the New Covenant, it's not a physical circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision. It's a circumcision of the heart, right? So... The new covenant abolishes the outward signs and straight puts a, a target straight, straight at the heart. In Romans chapter two, verse twenty-eight, twenty-nine, it says um, that who is a Jew, the, tr- the true Jew is the one who has the circumcision of the heart, and he is defining circumcision in this time. Right, Paul is defining circumcision. He's defining um, not only who is a true Jew, but he's, but who is a true Judahite. Right, the true Judah is the one whose whose heart has been circumcised, and so uh, the, he's uh, and the person whose heart has been circumcised, and the true Judah is of the kingdom of God. Right, that's what we're talking about, of course, and so uh, this is a, a complete de- contradiction to the requirements set up by the priests in the temple, uh, and basically what they did is everyone who went through had to show the guards that he was circumcised in his flesh in order to prove its citizenship in in Israel. They had to. 
show themselves, guys. And they everything was based upon what they could see and what they could hear, guys. It was um, man judges by the outward appearance, but God judges by the heart, right? So the only reason the Israelites or the Judahites were considered citizens at all was because of their circumcision, which was normally performed on them at the, uh, the age of eight days, eight days old. But even in the law, a full-blooded Israelite could lose his citizenship if he violated certain laws. So, for example, there's this law called the law of sacrifice. It's seen in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 1 through 7. And it basically says that a citizenship, excuse me, a citizen who offers a sacrifice must bring it to the tabernacle or the temple and present it to God in the proper place, right? Verse 4 says that if he fails to, to bring it to God, he would be cut off from among his people. And that means a loss of citizenship. Under the new covenant, Jesus is the true sacrifice for sin, right? And a person, even if they are a true Jew or a true Israelite by blood, they will lose their citizenship in the kingdom of God by refusing to bring the blood of Jesus to the place where he has put his name. And where has God put his name? God has put his name on the temples of our bodies. The blood of Jesus has to be applied to our foreheads, for we are now the true temple where he has placed his name. And we see this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 4. And anyone who does not do so is not a kingdom, is not a citizen of the kingdom of God. And they should not be called chosen, and they should not be called his people, because they're not, straight up. Romans chapter 7, verse 14 tells us that the law is spiritual, and it is to be enforced in the kingdom of God, but it is not the same manner as the old covenant. That is to say, the law still exists. The law is still um, in play at the moment, but it's not enforced in the same way, right? So the new covenant revealed a truth that had already been, has always been true, but it was not very well known. And it was the truth that citizenship with God was based upon the heart, not, not based upon the flesh. The ratification of the new covenant was made it clear that anyone with a fleshly circumcision um, was not a citizen, citizen in the kingdom of God. That is to say, once the new co covenant came in, it made very clear that just because you have um, your, your uh, physical body circumcised, it does not mean that you're a citizen. It, it made clear in order to be a citizen... It involved the, the lawful requirement of fulfilling the law of sacrifice. Men had to accept and offer the true sacrifice of Christ and apply his blood to the true temple, which is their body. And if you did not do this, you were not a citizen uh, of Israel or Judah. And so Paul says that this person is not a Jew or a Judahite citizen. So this had nothing to do with a person's race or genealogy. It was a matter of the law, guys, the law being applied in the context of the new covenant that, it, that had now been ratified. And that's the reason why um, there are many people today, I think we just, we just don't understand the new covenant. We don't understand um, because we don't understand the history. We don't understand. Um, we don't, we, I think that, and I also think that part of it is there's a new revelation. Our eyes are being opened um, and, we're being unveiled to some some truths that we haven't heard before, and uh, it's good. But it was already existed; it was already there. But now it's just being unveiled in a different way because that's just the way that God works. Um, revelation, glory from going from glory to glory, from understanding, growing and understanding, growing up in maturity. Right. So, um, it had nothing to do with one's race or genealogy. 
it was a matter of the law being applied in the context of the new covenant that had now been ratified, right? So, and this has always been the case that non-Israelites would become, this has always been the case that non-Israelites would become citizens of Israel. Under the old covenant, they had to be circumcised. And even then, they were still treated as second-class citizens. And this really discouraged many people from doing it. They were just like, well, this kind of still sucks. Like, yeah, we're people of God, but like we're like a lesser people of God. Under the new covenant, everyone has to receive the heart circumcision, regardless of their genealogy. And when they do that, they were, were all equals in the kingdom of God. And this is what we see in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. There's neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, which is amazing, right? And so everyone has the equal opportunity for citizenship, and all that obtain citizenship um, obtain it in the same way. So no one can set forth his genealogy or his family tree, his fleshly circumcision as a basis for citizenship. Um, no one can do that, guys. Every person has the right to progress from Passover to Pentecost and into the manifestations of the sons of God in the Feast of Tabernacles. There is equal opportunity for every single person in the kingdom of God under the new covenant, which has been ratified by the blood of Jesus. And that, my guys, uh, that is amazing. That is the gospel. So it's a beautiful thing. Um, I be, that's basically it. We're In, in our next uh, episode, we're going to be talking about the laws of the kingdom. Ooh, baby. The laws of the kingdom. Oh, this will be a good one. So I will see you guys next episode. Blessings to you guys and peace from God our Father and the Lord. Jesus Christ, who reigns um, in us, through us, over us. He's amazing. Bless you guys. See you next episode.